Stevenson to the outside. They score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front. He scores! Five two nights. Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. All right, sticks down. Let's drop the puck, go win the draw, and enjoy this ride that the Vegas School of the Knights are on. Darren Millard in Dallas, where we will watch game three tomorrow, game four coming up on Thursday as they complete the home portion, the opening portion of this uh, Western Conference final. Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman back in the Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas Finley Chevrolet studio. And this is uh, a situation where when, when you look at it, big picture, mm-hmm. and you don't you do not do this very often in the Stanley Cup last, but Vegas, Vegas got a nice little winning streak going for the second time in the postseason. They've won their last four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you don't you don't necessarily get the opportunity because it, it is so back and forth at times, and and it really has been for the Golden Knights, right? A a a streak to to kind of start after Game One in Winnipeg. It was a streak, and then it was back and forth, back and forth, and now you're in the in the back half of another streak. So good for the Vegas Golden Knights. They have a two nothing lead on the. I don't know whether you call it the disappointed Dallas Stars or the. Uh, <laughs> Upstart Dallas Stars in the sense that they should still be in this series. How are you evaluating the overall performance versus the result and the situation that Vegas has that 2 nothing lead? I think the results to me are, are pretty justified in what we saw. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Dallas Stars in terms of how they played yesterday against the Golden Knights. They suppressed shots really well. There wasn't much given to the Golden Knights in the offensive zone, but to the same token, the Golden Knights didn't really give Dallas much of anything over the course of the 60-minute game either. And it just felt to me like when Dallas had that 2-1 lead, they were going to do what they had to do, what was necessary to sit on that lead and win the game 2-1. And I just think right now for this Golden Knights team, there's there's no panic at any point in time. It, it would have been easy to get frustrated by how things were going, just 10 shots over the course of two periods. Oh, there, there was some of that, my friend. There and, was, yeah, there was and, some of that. And, and there was, right? Obviously, the, the, the undisciplined penalties from Chandler Stevenson probably point to that frustration. But again... You saw Jack Eichel take his game to another level. Midway through the third period, I thought he was fantastic for the majority of the game, but really you could sense that that he was going to be a guy that made a play that was impactful for the Golden Knights. Um, I don't think that the Dallas Stars did enough with with the run of play when they were playing well in order to push the Golden Knights back on their heels enough to win that game yesterday, and you let a team like Vegas stick around, they're going to find a way to win. Yeah, I don't look at quite as confidently as as you do, uh, or certainly as as slanted as as you do, given the way that the Dallas Stars did respond yesterday. Look, in game number one, that would have been really disappointing for Vegas not to come out with a win there, mm-hmm. because they handled every part of the game to uh, almost perfection. Then you get to game two, and Dallas goes the other way or and and really uh, plays a much better game 
And I think their feeling after game two was much like what we everybody was afraid that Vegas would have to go through if they lost game number one. Was They, they played a, a very executed game, well-executed game, and didn't win. But I think Vegas is not fortunate to be up 2 nothing because they did play well defensively. But you could certainly sell me on the fact that Dallas deserves to be closer than down to nothing. Just the way, just the way that the games have been played overall. The results speak for themselves. Vegas has taken advantage of, of opportunities, and nobody's going to give that back. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think it's it's closer than than certainly to nothing illustrates. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a close series. I just I don't think that Dallas was able to seize the moment to push the Golden Knights into a situation where they believe they wouldn't have been able to come back. I, I just you had to push a little bit more offensively, I think, if you're the Dallas Stars. Yes, defensively, they were fantastic. They were fine. There were some turnovers. I thought the Golden Knights were still pretty good along the walls, especially in the third period. They were able to to kind of create their own luck there. But the fact of the matter is, like, I just don't think Dallas did enough offensively to put the pressure on Vegas the way that you'd want to a- after playing as well as they did. Yeah, Vegas has been really good at capitalizing on opportunities. And there's one of those magical runs right now that's taking place where it's not that they can't do anything wrong, but they're avoiding tripping up when the pitfalls are there and they're taking advantage of opportunities when it presents itself. Now, Marcheseau had a couple of really good chances yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was able to capitalize uh, almost on, on his last chance to be able to make that, make that happen. It was, it was down to that point of, of the game. Uh, and, and he, and he made, made it happen. So it's, it's, uh, uh, a situation where uh, he was able to get loose. There's a, a world-class pass. There, it was a, a sol- solid forecheck by by Ivan Barbashev, which I don't hear enough about mm-hmm. uh, getting in there there first and making that play. And you and you also got a, a bit of a, a blunder by a veteran defenseman that doesn't normally do that. Now that that cost them. There was a, a giveaway by the Vegas Golden Knights early in overtime where it didn't cost them. It's funny how that bounce can can change a narrative uh, so much. But uh, but I think that Vegas still up to nothing is a long way from breaking the will mm-hmm. of the Dallas Stars, where I could see on the other side, quite honestly, the way Bobrovsky has played in the Eastern Conference Final and what Carolina has done putting pucks to the net and, and creating opportunities, not getting anything out of it. I could see that will being closer to being snapped than Dallas. Dallas is coming home. They they have a really good home ice record. And and tomorrow is going to be an opportunity for Vegas to go up 3 nothing, but also is going to require uh, another significant raising of the bar of their performance and their execution. Yeah, 100%. I think the Golden Knights absolutely need to go into Game 3 better than they played in Game Number 2 because I think you you have this, a similar type of game with Dallas at home. I, I think that you know the Stars will certainly be able to 
to find something there. Now, I, and I also agree with you in that I think the Dallas Stars probably feel better about where they are right now in this series than the Carolina Hurricanes should. Because, you know, for Carolina, you, you lose those two games at home. Now you have to go on the road. Sergey Bobrovsky looks like a brick wall. Uh, I could see that if, you know, it, it doesn't go well for Carolina maybe early on in this game, it, it's, it's kind of a formality at that point. And I don't get the sense that the Dallas Stars feel that way about where this series is. Nobody wins a Stanley Cup in the 120 years without winning a game when you're not at your best or winning a game where you shouldn't and you find a way to squeak it out. So there's no apologies uh, for, for game number two in being able to score late and win in overtime. There's absolutely uh, nothing to be uh, giving back on, on that side. They made a great play on the tying goal. They scored a power play goal to get them on the board. And, mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. let's go back to the, some of the callers and talking about special teams. That power play, that five uh, on three, that, that could be a defining moment too. Yeah. But but they found a way to score uh, on that and score early on that and actually gave themselves uh, a chance to to go two for two on it. But but that shouldn't be discounted either. Like that that's a big moment uh, in in a game where you have to get something out of that or it's got the potential and those kind of things always seem like they delay a game penalties it just feels like those cost you more often <laughs> than, than a hooking penalty yeah. or a tripping penalty a five on three feels like it it haunts teams if if they don't score uh, on that side of it and uh they, they were able to score that was a big moment in that game early on before marshall ever got to it and and then uh, you you get a, a play in which ottinger who is great doesn't handle it cleanly mm-hmm. and you have two guys going hard to the net what has bruce cassidy preached and preached and preached it's getting to the inside getting to the tough areas going to the net and you had two guys going hard to the net uh, off of a great turnaround and intercept in the neutral ice and and straight up the ice but two guys hard to the net and in your you can't tell me that Brett Howden wasn't some kind of distraction in there mm-hmm. on on the Dallas Stars defensively trying to lock him up and then here comes Chandler Stevenson and and his son Ford is a year old what a birthday present for that I was actually talking to Chandler about hey what's on the on the gift list uh for Ford uh, over the course of this weekend and he was humming and humming, thinking about it. he said well he's got pretty much everything he's, he's <laughs> like, people make sure he's got everything but probably something for what with water because he loves splashing water. He, the dog dish he discovered uh, the dog dish uh, uh, about uh, nine months uh, into his uh, glorious life, and uh, he loves splashing around in that. So he said probably something something with water. Well, that was a pretty good first birthday present that young Ford Stevenson got on the weekend. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it's you know. You're not going to find too many better than that one, right? It's it's a game-winning goal. It's it's in overtime. It's Western Conference Final. Like that's a huge one and and fantastic. But you know, you you bring up the point, right? It's going hard to the front of the net. It's Mark Stone and the patience of of finding the late man and Shea Theodore and Shea Theodore who jumped into the play and and made a, a a nice read and got the puck low hard to the net so that there was a rebound so that there was an opportunity for the guys that were crashing the net to put that back and i think for the golden knights it was kind of indicative of their night in that early on in the game they were getting pucks to the front of the net they were getting there with 
with pressure around the net area, but it seemed like the pucks were jumping over sticks. They just were arriving a half a second too late or a half a second too early, and it all kind of colludes on on the, the game-winning goal to, to work out well for the Golden Knights and just shows you keep going back there, good things will happen. Look, there, there's not a lot that uh, you look at with the Vegas Golden Knights. You say, that that I'd like to change that. I'd like to really increase that. But uh, I'm not going to break news here that uh, there's another level for Shea Theodore to go yeah. in the Stanley Cup postseason. Uh, he had that great setup to Brett Howden in the second period. And I don't know how the puck didn't go in, to be quite honest. And uh, I was encouraged by that. But I was also like, well, if that could have gone... What does that do uh, yeah. for, for confidence? And, and he's been cleaner, but still not where we'd like to see Shea Theodore uh, at the top uh, of his game or near the, the top of his game. Uh, he, he helped generate that overtime winning goal yesterday. And that we'll see what the after effect is, the boost is from that. But there's a moment where everybody's celebrating the Golden Knights' victory on the ice, and they're going to center ice to sick uh, tribute to the to the, the fans. And I look down, and who's off to the side skating to center ice? But Shea Theodore with Alex Petrangelo draped all over him, mm-hmm. with his right arm around his shoulder, hugging him, rubbing the helmet, like the, the just so happy for Shea Theodore because Petro knows uh, what an impact uh, Shea Theodore can be. Petro also knows uh, what uh, kind of springboard uh, this can possibly be when you when you look at confidence and a little bit more uh, juice flowing through you. And uh, Shea's been looking for it. He, they had an optional skate the other day between game one and two. Shea Theodore was on the ice for that optional skate. Mm-hmm. That's highly unusual that at this stage, third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, that a veteran player like him would be taking an optional skate. So he's he's looking for it, right? Uh, finding, he's working hard on it. He's, he's putting the extra ice time in when normally he wouldn't. Then to see two great defensemen like that, your, your two best defensemen, uh, supporting each other and and reveling in that victory, I thought it was a, it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I, th- I think you know I looked at that goal uh, specifically, the play that Shea Theodore made on it, and and to to a degree, I was I'm, I'm hopeful. Like we have to see kind of how things play out, but I am hopeful that that play it working out, it leading to a game winning goal for the Vegas Golden Knights. I do hope that that gives Shea more confidence in his game individually and that he can get another level out of his play for the Golden Knights the rest of the way. Yeah, we'll watch Shea with great detail tomorrow night in Game 3 to see if there's a a little more uh, spillover from that type of play and uh, whether he follows up with that. And confidence, huge for all of us in, in our jobs. But when you're a professional athlete and you're up against the best of the best now in the final four, uh, you've got to be more dialed in. Uh, Bruce Cassidy spoke today at City National Arena before the team uh, got on the bird and flew off to Dallas. Uh, among the things that uh, he was talking about uh, or asked about was the job that Vegas did in the middle of the ice, the special teams again, Jonathan Marcheseau, and uh, also gave a bit of a goalie update. Uh, we'll get to that uh, towards the end, but uh, started off just by talking about what was arguably the best line yesterday. And Danny Webster, Las the- Vegas Sun. Uh, Bruce, is there a stylistic difference that you've noticed 
between switching Teddy and Nick on that fourth line, obviously that line knows their role. They want to do it well. But when you've seen Teddy on that line, is there a stylistic difference that you that you like that that line has brought? I don't think so, honestly. I think they both know that when the line's going well, they're hard to play against. And by that, I mean they're physical. They're managing pucks, so they're on the forecheck a lot. Um, solid defensively. And I... So, you know, and they're different players and different skill sets, but they have the same understanding of what they need to do, if that makes any sense. So um, I haven't <clears throat> seen a whole lot. Um, Nick's probably more of a puck possession guy because he's bigger and longer, so he can do that uh, better than Teddy. But at the end of the day, Teddy finds a way to create his offense. and uh, But most of all, check well. And they both, like I said, that, that's the understanding of what makes that line good. And... To me, they're interchangeable. NHL.com. <clears throat> Bruce, there's emotion in a series. There's certainly emotion after you win overtime games when you're up 2-0 in a series. What does experience do for you right now and understand, you know, and your guys and understanding the situation, but also understanding, you know, it's only halfway done? Yeah, I think the, pre the previous series, it was 1-1, and we had, I think in both those games against both Winnipeg and Edmonton, we had a poor poor game and that's why it was 1-1. Yesterday I didn't think we were on top of our game. The difference between yesterday and the, the losses we had earlier in the series against the other opponents is we were able to stick around for whatever reason. We, I think we recognized we weren't at our best so let's not get, let it get too far away until we can get to our game, if we can ever get to our game, right? Sometimes you don't. I thought we did in the third. We did a good job starting to get through and a little bit is that Dallas is probably not as aggressive, they're trying to protect the lead. So, and I think that's where our experience came in. All right, don't let it completely get away from you here. We're not at our best. I think we all acknowledge that and trying to, you know, reinforce the positives, which weren't a lot, I guess, offensively the other day. And, um, but, but how we can get to our game from previous games in this year's playoffs. I don't want to go too far back because it's a different group. Um, but at the end of the day, now you're up 2 nothing, and it's still one game at a time. We've our goal is to, to, you know, get 11 wins now, right, in the playoffs, and we're at 10. So let's focus on, on that. Going into Dallas, they get a really good home record. They're going to be, obviously, you're upset when you're that close and you don't win. So they're going to have a real sense of urgency going back there. So for us, it's one game at a time and get to our game in a hurry. I know it's cliche, but that's what it is this time of year. You've got to get to your game and stay at it longer. So um, I think early in my career, I remember my first playoff series ever. I was in Washington. We were up 2-0 against Tampa, and we lost the next four. So for me, I know how quickly it can change. And I'm sure these guys in the room have been through some of those types of experiences. So for me, we've, we've won nothing. You know, we've got a 2-0 lead, but um, as you said, we're halfway there. That's it. So we know we, gotta, we have to be a lot better because you need to get better throughout the series or you don't advance. And I said, we weren't on top of our game in game two, but we were good enough to find a way to win. And that's been our team this year a little bit. We've been, I think I've used the word imperfect a lot because we are, but we find ways to stay in the game and win. And that's a credit to the guys, and that's what I think has made us who we are this year. <clears throat> hey, Bruce, Gary Lawless, Vegas Golden Knights. What did they do in the neutral zone yesterday, and how do you counter it? Uh, they, they, they were still in their 1-2-2 two, two for the most part. They'll get aggressive going on D to Ds with certain guys, but at the end of the day, they just have numbers there. 
you know, and if you have numbers and you're taking good angles and have good sticks, then you have to be pretty clean getting through there, and we weren't. Uh, I thought we slowed the game down, especially in the second period in there. Uh, the night before, we were quick. We were stretching them out, catching them in between, and we were able to attack, attack, attack. Whether it results in goals or not, it results in them having to break pucks out and you wear them down. So I think, I don't know if their game changed as much as maybe our lack of execution fed into their game. And, and some of that's a credit to them for being in the right spots and checking well. Some of it was on us, like I said, I don't think. You look at the overtime goal, I know it's a simple play, but you know, Naber is under pressure, but he moves the puck north, right? And now we got guys supporting the puck, and all of a sudden, skating off the puck, and now we're attacking. I thought we did that very well game one, not so much in game two. But second periods, I've said all year, if you get on the wrong side of that momentum, it can be a three-quarter ice game for you or against you because you're constantly getting it out and changing, and it's a long change. So that's what I thought we got. We were on the wrong side of it in the second period, and, um, and it showed. We didn't generate much. <laughs> Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. Uh, before the playoffs, you mentioned that going on the road, the way that you guys played on the road this year, could definitely translate to the playoffs. And is the way that you guys have played as far as complete games on the road, I think probably with the exception of Game Three in Winnipeg, is that a, even more confidence that you guys can go up there and play play a strong? Yeah, game? I think our guys feel good. We, we've played well on the road all year, and we kind of talked about that. I think it's because we don't. We use everybody. We're four lines, 60. We're not chasing matchups. We're not worried about hiding anybody. So we just play. Uh, the guys know they're going over the boards. Um, experience group in the room knowing that it's going to be loud, all those things. You just got to play through it and use it to your advantage, actually, in the playoffs. I mean, it was really loud in Winnipeg and Edmonton. I thought it helps us, too, as well, if you think about it that way. So um, that's, like I said, that's our mindset right now. And, we got to be ready to counter aggression early, and usually that is by moving pucks and executing and being clean and supporting pucks so that they don't have a chance to get those big hits on your D and play behind you the whole first period so that the you know the crowd gets into it. Like put them on their heels a little bit is what we we've tried to do. Didn't always work. Um, the game and it was at game four in Edmonton. You know they were on top of us in a hurry. We didn't and, and we were chasing the game the whole time. So that's what we got to be mindful of. Adam Hill, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Bruce, I know you gave up one yesterday, but the penalty kill the last six games has looked significantly better. I mean, from the outside, from you, do you are you comfortable where it is right now? And yeah. What do you thought about it? I, I thought we were pretty good on it. I mean, I think that the first goal was a little bit of product, or their power play goal was, I mean, we had a clear opportunity, and we went back with it, and that was our second period. We were not playing direct and, and, and getting pucks up ice. Um, you want help on a clear sometimes when you're on your forehand. I think if we had to do it over again, we just pounded the puck out. They keep it in, all of a sudden it's in our net. So I think that's correctable. Um, and I think we have corrected a lot of things along the way. We've been more aggressive when we need to be, appropriate pressure. And we weren't as doing that as much early. Now, some of that's Edmonton, right? You, you know, you're kind of, they move it so quick and they're so dynamic. But Dallas is a little more predictable in what they're going to do. We feel they're good at it. They still have a very good power play, but it's more to the net, out sticky at the net. So. Um, for us, we've we've tried to really keep one of our forwards, make sure they're recovering back to the net, so we're even in numbers there, and hopefully we we, we rebound the puck. So it's worked out well for us for the most part. Um, like I said, they found a loose puck yesterday, buried it, and they're going to do that sometimes. So that's how we feel about our kill. It's 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 a lot better than it was early in the playoffs. <coughs> 
Dan Rosen, NHL.com. Bruce, I think the March or so's goal yesterday, and you know we talk about their neutral zone, right, and how <clears throat> they they're really good in it. But the forecheck that you guys had on that goal, it wasn't driving Suter into the boards, but it was Jack with the stick, March or so covering the wall. He's got to go the other way. Is that sort of a thing that you guys can always fall back on? Like if they're clogging it up in the neutral zone, get it in, skate on the forecheck. But we have to fall back on that. If we don't, it's what the second period looks like and some of the first. So I think our guys understand that and got to it in the third, right? They didn't try to force a lot of plays. I mean, we got through there a couple times with some skill. I think Jack one time, but for the most part, you have to go around it and then create your turnover behind the goal line in those areas. And we've been good at that in this playoff. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad the guys recognized it in the third. We didn't stay stubborn for another 20 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, we, you know, we pre-scout. We, we have a good idea how Dallas is going to break the puck out, you know. Um, so our guys stuck to their routes and good for them. Now, they all say, well, maybe there's miscommunication between Suter and Heiskin on the first pass, but that's going to happen if you put teams under pressure enough times, and that's exactly what happened. And we're able to recover the puck. Now you got a chance to play with it. We happen to make a bang-bang play. You know, that's just, you know, a real elite mind in Jack and, and Marsh going to the right spot. So... <clears throat> You know, we, we scored quick, but other times you just got to get possession now and play in their zone, and that's when we're at our best. Um, we play that way. Even though we're a good line rush team, we saw it on the winning goal. For the most part in this playoffs, we've been at our best when we've, we've used four lines behind them, create your turnover. And um, as a coach, Dan, you're so happy to see a score a goal like that because that's what you're kind of preaching, and when it works for you, it's easier to sell. Um, it's harder work than probably scoring off the rush, um, but that's what's required. You know, there is a parent listening to this right now that's saying, exactly. And you almost have to be a parent uh, or a coach uh, to, to really appreciate what, what Bruce is, is talking about there, saying, we, we tell you all the time to do it this way. Mm -hmm. We tell you it's going to be successful and, and productive this way. And you finally do it. This is great. I, 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 I can I can get more uh, encouragement from you, and you'll be uh, more apt to, to follow my instructions uh, down the road. Uh, because uh, when he's talking about going to that and, and getting things uh, to, to fall your way uh, on that regard, but uh, Bruce hasn't used the word stubborn mm -hmm. in a while. Mm -hmm. He hasn't. I'm not surprised that uh, that it would creep back in, uh, just because things have been going so great for them that you got it, It's easy to, to to fall back into because confidence is great, but confidence can also be a, a hindrance in mm -hmm. the sense of you try things that you shouldn't be doing because you're feeling so good about your game, and you get away from from the game plan. And I still think we saw a, a little bit of that, and certainly. Uh, the, the coaches uh, were, were right on top of it to try and turn them back towards their game plan. Yeah, you you know you you obviously want to learn that lesson by picking up a win and and, and you know turning it around and, and taking some of that stubbornness out of your game and it paying a dividend for you. Uh, so you'll take the result for sure. But I, I think for for Bruce, it was another kind of opportunity, right, to reinforce the right way to play, how this team needs to be successful. And you know what? When they kind of got back to it there in the third period, they were rewarded, and, and that's what you want to see. There is a feeling of inevitability around the Golden Knights that, uh, and Stephanie talked about it uh, mm -hmm. earlier in hour number one, about feeling great about your game and almost like it's going to work out. 
it, it may be a different route or a different journey each game, but it's going to work out in our in our favor. There is that that genuine uh, confidence with the team right now, and that spills over to overtime. It's not panicky in game one. Mm-hmm. It was let's just go out and win it. Yeah. It wasn't uh, uh, disappointing uh, that that uh, you didn't play your game and you felt lucky to be in overtime. It was okay. Let's just go finish this thing off now. Uh, we tie it. Uh, there, there is that that wave that follows you around, and that swagger. Dallas is on the other side of that overtime right now, guys. Yeah, they they, they had the the worst record in in overtime in the regular season, mm-hmm. and you you had talked about that numerous times this year. And three on three is different, uh, shootout <laughs> different than than five on five regular uh, season compared to Stanley Cup playoff overtime. Where it's five on five and you play until until a, until a goal is scored, but this that that sense of struggle beyond sixty minutes during the regular season with Dallas, who if they were just five hundred, they would have been a runaway winner uh, and challenging Vegas uh, for for the conference lead. Uh, that that uh, lack of being able to finish things off in overtime during the regular season has really followed them into the into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they've been to extra time a few times now, mm-hmm. and and haven't been able to to, to pull it out. And, and Pete DeBoer has been very honest, like we're not going to win this without finding a way to poke one of those things into the back of the net. He was honest uh, after game one. And he was more frustrated after game number two when they played a really good game and ended up not getting anything. You don't walk away with that going, hey, we got a single point like the regular <laughs> season. Uh, you you got uh, you walk out of that going, we wasted a really good effort. They 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 let a great effort by Jake Ottinger get away from them in game one, and they let a team performance slip by the wayside in game number two, and both times because they couldn't figure it out in overtime. And Montreal, in 1993, won 10 overtime games. Don't remind me. On the way to winning the Stanley Cup, which they upended some great teams, but uh, then against Wayne Gretzky in, in that Stanley Cup final. Uh, and uh, there, was a, there was a few twists and turns, illegal stick, Marty McSorley, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. But, 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 illegal but part stick, of it illegal was stick, whatever. It, it was those 10 overtime games where it, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They knew as soon as it went to overtime, they'd won the game. Yeah, and there's there's a little bit of that on the reverse right now, happening with the Dallas Stars, and for them to to get back into the series uh, or or go a long way, it's almost like they're going to have to overcome that part of it just as much as winning a couple of games by overcoming that part of it. I mean, winning a game in overtime. Yeah, I I don't see that the rest of this series is going to be a situation where everything's done in regulation. I think we have more overtime in store and and I would even venture to say we have a long overtime game in our futures at some point here. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned it, right? Like three on three is not five on five. And you, you kind of look at their record and, and how many games they lost in overtime 
in the regular season and you say, okay, well, the difference is that you're, you're not playing three on three, you're playing five on five. And the Dallas Stars over the course of the entire year have been a pretty good five on five team. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it, it, it's followed them now into the postseason and it's taken on a life of its own to the point where, you know, if you're the Golden Knights, you look at your record in overtime, you feel really good about where your game is at beyond 60 minutes. And if you are the Dallas Stars, you, you, you got to find a way to, to kind of change that narrative. Otherwise, it's going to be a hard, hard go the rest of this series. Yeah, they, they lost uh, game one in all three series yeah. in overtime. And then they, they lost game uh, two uh, of the Western Conference final. We will look at the Eastern Conference Championship Series, which is underway in game three in Florida with a golden opportunity one that the golden knights will experience tomorrow night for themselves as the florida panthers aim for a stranglehold in their stanley cup semifinal it's the bgk insider show one timers next on fox sports las vegas carlson left corner centered one timer score it's time for one timers a quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Stick around, we've got a couple of more sets of tickets to the BattleBots Destructathon coming up in just a little bit. So uh, don't call just yet, but uh, we'll give you the indication. Then Chapman will take down all the information. Now bring you up to date with what's happening early on in game three between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers in the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, I can tell you this, with Florida trying to push for a 3 nothing series lead, Carolina's come out feisty. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a nasty start to this game in which Carolina on the road is trying to get back into the series. Absolutely nasty. Uh, Matthew Kachuk has been right in the middle of of some of it, most of it, eh, all of it. Um, Sebastian Ajo kind of getting in the middle of it too, Stephen Nason, like, but then you've got Sergei Bobrovsky who just made a phenomenal glove save on a partial breakaway. So uh, I don't know that being feisty is going to matter when Bobrovsky's in the zone like he is right now. Yeah, I just, uh, there's a a report out there that Bobrovsky, who's been fabulous since Mm. he's come into the Stanley Cup playoffs, is on one of the great stretches in Stanley Cup playoff history. And it, it gets into the fancy stats, like saved above, expected, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I've been honest with, with you and our listeners about just be careful where you're getting your data from, uh, because the data that was cited in this report is nowhere near the data from one of the more relied upon services that are out there. And that's not taking anything away from Sergei Bobrovsky, but it does depend on who's clipping the games and who's recording uh, the, the games and the action compared to uh, people that actually are paying attention and uh, and know the game and are, are dialed and have uh, some skin in the game. So uh, not taking away from the uh, kids. He has been spectacular. But to say he's been on the best seven-game stretch is since they started recording these stats is a little bit extreme uh, compared to some of the stuff that, that was out there. Just just a, just a pause for everybody. I, I feel like Mike right now. The guy's yeah, you been do. great. Bobrovsky's well, been great. But uh, but I'm telling you, just to, to hold your horses, uh, Mike, you and I are two peas in a pod right now. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he just I just saw with my eyes that he made a really good glove save. So yeah. I'm, no, si- no, I'm no, citing no, that data. 
it uh, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily on that. It was something that I planned to say anyway uh, today because I was seeing on on social media during the flight today uh, so much. Uh, I don't. I, I, I didn't know you were on social media. Uh, well, I was on a flight today, so I, I oh, okay. had a couple hours to. You only social so, media when you fly. Uh, I we get uh, Wi-Fi for sure. Oh, okay. You should see it. There's a pool. Uh, there's a spa. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the like the pool. I had no idea that you could have like no, normally on pools. There's no diving, right? This thing, full on. You can do flips, everything on, on the pool, uh, on the VGK plane. It's awesome. Uh, you guys should try it sometime. Ooh, uh, someone's gonna clip that. <laughs> the unfair. Place are looking for a general manager. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Uh, the Calgary Flames have reportedly secured their general manager, and they didn't have to look very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Conroy, already part of their management group, uh, will be introduced tomorrow. Boy, a lot of news is happening on the days of the Golden Knights. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll happen ahead of the Game 3 between the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. But uh, Conroy, uh, former Calgary Flame, uh, one of the great guys in our game. Uh, he never has a bad day. Uh, he's always positive, but now he's getting to uh, have the opportunity to take over from uh, Brad Trelling. That's the report. The Calgary Flames assistant general manager, Craig Conroy, will be uh, formally introduced tomorrow as the next general manager of the Pacific Division Flames. Yeah, I think for, you know, obviously the Flames and, and Craig Conroy, like that's a long time coming. And you know, if you were going to go in a different direction, it, it almost felt like that would have been the end. Um, but, you know, good for him. And, and we'll see how that kind of, if it changes the trajectory of, of the Calgary Flames and, and where they're at right now as an organization. Good hire, logical hire. The most important hire is going to be what they do with the head coach. Yeah, absolutely. We will see. I have uh, heard rumblings. John Chan and I have talked about it off the air mm. about the potential of a Joel Quenville coaching there. Uh, he's got some experience uh, with the likes of Mackenzie Weger and John Huberto. And we know that uh, Quenville is going to have a conversation with Commissioner Gary Bettman at the end of these playoffs about the possibility of coming back. So uh, we'll see whether that comes to fruition whether my spidey senses are right on that. Uh, Another team that the Golden Knights have a connection with, the Winnipeg Jets, and Nikolai Ehlers is uh, at the IIHF World Championship, uh, and he was quoted as saying, "Uh, I can't tell you what's going to happen with Winnipeg or what needs to happen, but I'm guessing that something is going to happen, yes. So (laughs) the writing is on the wall for everybody. And this isn't a head coach going to happen. This is some significant player reshuffling. And I don't know when they make the decision on Blake Wheeler to trade him or buy him out. But one of those two things is going to happen. Finally. That was me saying that, by the way, not uh, Nikolai Ehlers. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I mean, it's, it's, you know, the writing was on the wall with the Winnipeg Jets, I think, at the end of their season this year. Uh, BattleBot tickets, uh, Chapman, is it one pair or two pairs? I don't want to give away a double dose if, if we don't have them. So I, I want to make sure that, uh, okay, two pairs of tickets, two pairs of tickets. Caller number five and caller number 12. 
702-876-1340. And we will give you a pair of tickets to Destructathon on uh, June 3rd. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be awesome. All kinds of entertainment. Uh, the uh, killer robots doing their thing. Mm -hmm. That's coming up uh, on June 3rd, Destructathon. Uh, be uh, one of those two callers, and you will win to 702-876-1340. Catching up with Chapman is next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Oh, hi, Darren. So I found out yesterday in the press conference... Chandler Stevenson was asked about what he was going to do with the puck, and he happened to mention his kid and his kid's birthday, which happens to be today. Hmm. So his child shares his birthday with greatness. Like, how cool is that? I cannot wait to see Chandler again to hmm. tell him, hey, guess what, dude? Your child, your son, he shares his birthday with me, which means he's going to grow up to be a great super kid. Greatness, um, greatness on May twenty second. I thought uh, I thought you missed the fact that we talked about that. No, 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 no. I I know. Oh no, I was well aware. Tying it into you. That's that's good. Well, it's did always you like about your, me. Your birthday shout out. I did. Cool. Yes, yes. I, I and I even like how we use nicknames because my wife, when I showed her, hmm. her response to me was, "Who's Mallard?" So nice. It happened twice. I know. I know. I I know. Was, I know, was, we, we made sure it stayed up for both games. Was it a mistake or or no? no, you, no oh, okay, no, all right. No, uh, Ferraro said, uh, "Do you want it uh, just for one game?" It's like, no, keep it up all weekend. It's the birthday weekend. Yes, yes, and it was a great birthday weekend. Golden Knights win two games. I'm going for Korean barbecue tonight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Luck. I like the way you. that somebody got mad because I mentioned how old you were. I'm like. He wanted it. Yeah, I mentioned on the show that I was turning forty-four today. And happy birthday, Wyatt! By oh, the way, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned that I was turning forty-four, and it was easy to remember because my birthday is the twenty-second. So now all I have to do is think about what my date of birth is and just double it, and I'm, that'll be my what age are you for you next year. I don't know. I'll figure it out. You know what? I was just smart. Add though. one. The first time I got married, I got married on October seventh. Which was exactly one month before my ex-wife's birthday. So if I forgot one, I was forgetting both. But in seven years of marriage, never forgot either one. And my kid is 14 days after my my ex-wife. So very easy to remember those those dates. My wife's uh, birthday is uh, the day after mine. But for the first three years that we were uh, dating, I could never remember whether it was the day before or the day after. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so I always surprised her. Uh, she thought I surprised her with presents. She's listening right now. Uh, I'm sure uh, back in Vegas, I, I would uh, get in front of that. And she'd be like, oh, you're surprising me. I'm like, no, I'm just an idiot. Never remember. <laughs> uh, game three tomorrow. Uh, we'll join you then with a special pregame show.